0: How can we begin to understand this remarkable phenomenon? A group of people meditating together can lower crime? Dr. Tony Nader and scientists David Orm Johnson and Ken Kavanaugh discuss the findings that every individual in the population contributes to the national consciousness. And reciprocally, national consciousness influences everyone. The research is focused on the advanced techniques of transcendental meditation, and shows how large groups of people practicing this technique have a large positive effect on society, with significant decreases in the national homicide rate, motor vehicle fatality rate, drug-related death rate, violent crime rate, infant mortality rate, and fatality rate for other accidents. Listen in as they discuss the results and what this could mean for lowering the overall stress of our society and our world. It's a great joy today
1: to have a very special session about an aspect of knowledge and technology and science that has become very important in supporting or discarding some theories or some understandings or some philosophies even about the nature of how our world works, how the universe works, and particularly about the ultimate reality, which in our podcast is always being brought from different perspectives, some physical, some mental, some consciousness, some mixed, different values of understanding what the ultimate primordial aspect of life is. In a summary, this is being discussed in many, many podcasts before, but today we have something very, very special and invite you to wait and listen to what can be called empirical, which means based on experimental studies and research, support to the idea that consciousness is primary. We have discussed before that there are different theories about what constitutes the essence, the primary values of life, the primary aspect of existence, what is beyond what we see on the surface level, what is the essence of everything. And we have seen, often discussed, the idea of the Cartesian perspective that there are two realities in fact there is a physical material reality which we see as matter and energy and our physical body and our physical universe but at the same time there is some spiritual value something which is on the level of the mental on consciousness people talk about the spirit the soul the being which is not physical at all and which is beyond Anything that is physical, which means it is not created from the physical material and it is sitting on its own, but it is accompanied by the physical and the material. So this is what we call the dualist perspective, the perspective that there are two realities and somehow they talk to each other. This dualist reality has been since centuries thought to be the nature of existence, the nature of our life. And many have thought that the soul, the spirit, the mind tend to take you towards higher values and surpass yourself. Whereas the physical, the material tends to drag you down and pull you down into something that is not so so high because it's based on instincts, based on desires, based on needs, and therefore it has this kind of animal aspect to it. So this is why people say that humans are social animals, which means they have this animal side in them, but they accept to be also socially involved and as a social individual, they support each other for the benefit of their personal growth and personal development. So this idea of these two tendencies in life, one material, physical, and one spiritual, consciousness, mind, higher values, has always been asked and thought about and questions and debated and discussed. In more recent times, the problem of the potential of how one aspect can speak to the other which means how is it possible that the conscious value the value which is non-material the value which is spiritual how does it talk to the physical how does it communicate if they are two completely different realities and this has never been solved or otherwise how the physical can influence the consciousness value is something that remains unsolved and leads to the conclusion that this is an incomplete way of looking at reality and so we are left with what we call the monistic perspective not the dualist which means two values but the monistic perspective which means there is only one ultimate reality and here we have two big groups if you like one group that says that everything is energy everything is material and from that material then appears consciousness and the proof for that or the support of that is that through our senses we see everything that is physical we touch it it's real it's there through our activities, we go through the dynamics, we can calculate this, we can analyze it scientifically, we can see the laws of nature. And the scientists have looked into matter in a very deep way and have gone through analyzing what is material and what is the origin of the material reality. And as you know, they discovered that it's all actually energy, like what, Einstein discovered E equals mc squared, which means energy and mass are equivalent through a certain equation of relationship. And so everything is energy, therefore. And when they looked at what is matter in itself and divided it into pieces and went to to the atom, and then, which means the smallest indivisible part, and then divided that and looked into its uh, reality and found that actually it is made out of more elementary particles. And then these particles have been found to be waves or fluctuations of fields. And then the fields have been found to be more and more unified. For those who have been with us on the podcast, they know about the unified field of natural law, which tells us that Ultimately, if you look at the physical, really the physical reality, from matter to the physical, to the energy, it's all still physical. This is what we call physical. We find fields and those fields have been more and more unified into a unified field of natural law. Now this unified field is something that is not the same as what we see on the surface value of something that we can touch and feel or taste that we can experience directly. But it has qualities that are very unusual, very transcendental, if you like, because it has aspects that are discovered when you go there about the fields and their activities that have non-locality, which means The potential to be in different places at the same time. It has uncertainty, which means it's not for sure what's going to happen. It's a probability that it has a probability of something happening here, but not happening there in terms of physical appearance and many, many other aspects, entanglement and things that are not as we experience in the usual physical reality of molecules and object and billiard balls hitting each other and forces that are on the classical level. Still, this is considered as part of the physical reality, part of the physical field of existence. Now, where does this physical come from? Nobody has an idea, of course, and they say well this is beyond science it becomes what we call metaphysics in a sense beyond the physics because we're asking questions how did it start when did it start before what was before it was it there before it changed again is the big bang etc now It's very important to understand that all of this usually is regarded by the scientists of today, most scientists of today, as part of the physical reality of life, physical reality of existence, even though it has many layers. It has layers of pure energy, and then it goes to become fluctuations of this energy into different forces, different fields, and then these different fields appear to be particles, and then they appear to be atoms and molecules and cells and creation as we know it, the whole universe as we know it. And then they feel that this has become so complex that one day consciousness appeared. And consciousness, therefore, is called an emergent quality. So it emerges from the physical reality. Consciousness emerges from the physical reality. And that is the story from the physicalist perspective. However, the shortcoming is how consciousness then actually emerges. It is not physical, it's something beyond physical. It's like your personal experience of pain, your personal experience of joy, your personal experience of the redness of red, your hopes, your desires, the feeling of love that you feel personally, intimately and on a subjective level. This is something that science has not yet been able to even come close to experiencing or knowing, experiencing it does through uh, its own human beings. But to describe and explain how consciousness emerges is beyond any understanding from the physicalist perspective, no matter how much you try to look into quantum mechanics, into field theories, into neuroscience, the activity of the brain that is almost transcending certain Aspects of its physical structure and creating something very subjective, all of this has not been at all accessible to the modern science, to modern scientific approach. And there are many, many other questions that come with that that are not at all understandable or explainable. Where does it come from? Where does it go? Why? There is law, but is there freedom? Is there determinism? Because there is law, do we live our life in a systematic way that is beyond our control, which means everything is determined since there is very strict laws of nature. Therefore, why do we have these laws lead to suffering and pain and why people make mistakes uh, why there is sin why there is you know what we call good and bad so many many of these questions have no answers in the physicalist perspective now this is one whole broad area of what we call monism which means monism is to stand for one one reality so the reality is one and then if it's one it can interact with itself but it doesn't explain the consciousness part. Now, something which is sometimes harder to accept, and that is what has been discussed a lot through our podcasts, is another theory about reality, which is that everything is one, but that one is a field of consciousness. So whatever scientists describe in their research as the unified field is actually not a field of energy it's not a field of physics it is a field of energy we can say but energy itself and its reality is a field of consciousness a field of awareness and then as we discussed and as I have written in in my book one unbounded ocean of consciousness and has been presented in different even philosophies starting from the ancient vedic literature the veda and the vedantic uh, understanding that says that everything is consciousness and has been also presented and taught by Maharishi Mahesh Yogi who has introduced transcendental meditation program to the world That consciousness is primary, not only primary and then something else appears, but it continues to be consciousness. Consciousness just is, and everything is consciousness. That's why our podcast is called Consciousness is All There Is. Now, quick question comes up and people raise their hands and their arms and they wonder what's going on. You know, I see the table, I see the stars, I see my body, I feel the pain if I pinch somebody. Isn't that physical? And in fact, this, what we see as physical, is just one aspect of the appearance of consciousness appearing in different, different, different modes and layers and ways. An infinite number of ways. And this is a long theoretical discussion that we have had a chance to discuss on previous podcasts and is explained very systematically in the book, One Unbounded Ocean of Consciousness. Now, assuming we are saying, okay, fine, the theory is logical. That makes sense. It answers a lot of the questions about freedom, dynamism, good and bad, the meaning of life, the evolution of life, and it kind of also solves the problem of beginnings and end. Where does it come from? Where does it go? And this is part of our different uh, topics of discussion, different podcasts. What we have today is something really very special and very, very important. Because whenever you have a theory or a paradigm or an understanding, even if it makes full sense logically, and if it answers all the possible questions and makes you feel that you are absolutely in the right direction, because once a paradigm explains aspects from different perspectives, then you know you are on the right path, particularly if you are not inventing things all the time to make it work, and adding things here and there that are bizarre, then you can feel comfortable that you are in the right path. Nevertheless, for this to be fully documented and fully accepted and supported, you have to have something that shows that actually consciousness has an effect on what we see as the physical world. And it creates that effect in a very systematic, reliable, repeatable way. And that is what we call the empirical proof. So there is the rational thinking based on, of course, observation and analysis and thinking of this and that and trying to find logic, which is very important also because again, a theory that answers many questions can be on the right path to truth. But is there an experiment or experiments that can be done that actually prove that this is the case? And so while philosophers and thinkers discuss this at length, and we have been doing that through our podcasts, we have not had a theory of consciousness or even A physicalist theory that can explain the entire package of reality, which means we don't have experiments, we don't have proofs from empirical side, which means experimenting, researching, that have been discussed in our podcasts, except for some of course, uh, examples here and there and analysis here and there that that support the rational thinking, the ideas, the thoughts, the logics. And there has been no scientific side from the physicalist perspective that actually can explain and support the effect of the physical on the non-physical. Now, there are anecdotes, and we have great scientists with us today who have been researching this, psychologists, social scientists, professors, doctors in the field, that it's a great joy to have with us that have looked at this from different perspectives. Now, one thing you can say, if you eat something wrong, you don't feel so good. Then you can say, well, the matter that I ate, the chemistry, the things that I took in my digestion, in my diet have influenced me. And now mentally, I don't feel so good. You can take a drug and the drug makes you hallucinate and therefore you start seeing things in a different way. And you can say, well, here is an effect from the physical on the consciousness level, but Uh, this must be a part of a complete understanding of how this physical influences the mental. And at least we see in such phenomena that the connection between what we call physical and mental is much more concrete, much more profound and much more intimate than we imagine. You can even have a thought or a fear. You can see something on the street and you think it's a snake. In the dark, you don't see it well. So it's your imagination, because let's say it's not a snake, it's just a rope. And still your heartbeat goes up, you start sweating and your physiology changes. So what happens in the mind also influences the body. So these are some of the phenomena that have led scientists to be interested in discovering the relationship between mind and body, and knowing that they are much more intimate and much more profound than we we ever thought they are. Now, How can we take this to a much bigger value from a scientific perspective and see that the mental, the mind consciousness can influence something beyond our body? Why is that important? It's important because you can always say what you're doing in your mind, you're actually doing in your body, but you're experiencing it as a mental phenomenon researchers such as the ones we are delighted to have and proud to have in our discussions today, and I delayed their contributions and presence to put them in the right framework. They've already analyzed many hundreds of scientists with hundreds, thousands of studies now on mind and body correlation have shown that change in the mind can change the body. And one of the most powerful techniques that does that is the transcendental meditation technique. And there are hundreds of scientific research studies that document the effects of mental technique in the individual on the physiology and the changes in the physiology. The question remains, is this change, even though it appears mental, is it actually some physical change that we as humans interpret as mental. And therefore the question remains, although it's obvious that the technique of transcending, transcendental meditation is a mental technique. It's not a physical technique. You don't eat something. You don't change your body in any way. You don't try to manipulate the physical. You just choose a consciousness technique, a mental technique that influences that uh, that improves that expands your way of thinking your awareness on the consciousness level and then the body follows so the results on the body are coming from consciousness and we have discussed some of this research and we can also ask our scientists if they like to make a comment here and there before we delve into the whole issue of and the whole point that we want to bring today. And that is the effect of individuals practicing something on the consciousness level and influencing something which is physically, by all physical parameters, unattainable which means if I do my transcendental meditation, I practice this consciousness technique, not only I improve myself, but I see an effect that is beyond me, that is on the level of society, for example, on the behavior of a nation, on the relationship between nations, and how can this be? Now, the physicalist perspective, and I have discussed this with many, many uh, quantum mechanical uh, scientists and specialists, and they say we have no explanation. There will be no explanation possible on the purely physical level, which means even the quantum mechanical level, that we can say there is something about entanglement here and there, but how does it get transmitted to the whole society, how the effect gets transmitted to the whole society, this is something that is not explainable from purely physicalist perspective, which means a physical phenomenon of electromagnetism or quantum mechanical change, or even on the level of entanglement and the level of these new phenomena that are discovered in quantum mechanics and. Uh, relativity theories and unified field theories. So we have something that actually has been studied and that's a very great news for our world, for our society, for how we deal with reality, for what reality is and how we can make a difference, particularly at this time, when we see so much fear, division, coming back, and we'll see uh, the reasons why they are actually coming back and why they are gone, and the analysis that we want to plunge into. So I took a long time to put us in the framework of thinking and welcome two great scientists, Dr. David Armchanson and Dr. Ken Kavanaugh, and their analysis of the scientific research that has shown how from the practice on the level of consciousness by a groups of individuals, we can see a change in what we call collective consciousness, which is the consciousness of a society or a nation or even the whole world, and how systematically this has been done and how it has led to very powerful support to consciousness as being a primary aspect of nature, as a primary aspect of reality. Or we can discuss also whether there are other ways that this can be explained. And in any case, how from an empirical perspective, from an experiential, experimental, repeated perspective and follow-up over many years, we have this profound a transformation that has happened. So, Dr. Kavanaugh and Dr. Orm Johnson, Ken and David, welcome to the podcast. We are eager to listen from you. If you like to even make some comments first, and then show us some of these scientific findings that support the understanding of consciousness, or whatever the reason, support the mechanics of action from the level of consciousness that create transformation in a non-local way beyond the limits of a human physiology, a human presence in a localized place, and as groups of doing this, making an effect that is extended to the whole society. So, Dr. David Johnson, would you like to tell us about a study uh, that has... I understand being a follow-up for 17 years that is very newly published and very significant.
2: Thank you, Dr. Nader. It's very exciting to be a part of this conversation of consciousness is all that there is. And I think that the research I'm gonna be telling you about is maybe is the strongest evidence that consciousness is in fact, the unified field of natural law, the ultimate reality. And it makes sense uh, that if consciousness is all that there is, then the ultimate proof of that will come from consciousness itself. You won't be able to show it from the parts of consciousness. So um, this slide is uh, the first slide. It's a 17-year study on the effects of the group practice of the Transcendental Meditation and TM City program. On reducing national stress in the United States. And this is our, our podcast on consciousness is all that there is. So, what I want to tell you about is what I think is the really the ultimate proof that consciousness is all that there is. And this is one study. This is actually about the 50-second study. <laughs> on this phenomenon, which has been called the Maharishi Effect, in honor of Maharishi, who predicted it and who provided the technologies for making it happen, for implementing it. Um, The technology is the Transcendental Meditation and TM City program. And in terms of our theory that consciousness is all that there is, what Transcendental Meditation does is allows the individual mind to settle down to its own transcendental basis, which according to ancient Vedic science and to many different paradigms from around the world, is the ultimate reality as a field of consciousness. And the idea is that if you have a sufficient number of people experiencing that within themselves, then it radiates an influence of coherence throughout collective consciousness. So as a background, uh, what we're going to be talking about is the effects of what has been called the Invincible America Assembly on the quality of life in the United States. And this was a series of four studies done by Dr. Kavanaugh, Dr. Ken Kavanaugh and Dr. Michael Dilbeck. What we're seeing here is the meditation domes at Maharishi International University in Fairfield, Iowa. So, the background of the present study is these four publications by Dilbeck and Kavanaugh on the U.S. quality of life, and what we see in this graph is uh, years on the horizontal axis at the bottom, and we see the average number of people per day in the domes and meditating together at MIU. So during the baseline period, the average size of the group is around 600 or so, And during the experimental period, in which we got a grant to support the stipends of people who would be in the dome to be in this project, raised the number to over 1,725 people, which is the horizontal dotted line. And that is a threshold that is predicted to have an influence on the entire United States. So the experimental question is, what is happening on stress indicators During the experimental period compared to the baseline period, it was found that during the experimental period, homicide rates decreased, motor vehicle fatalities decreased, drug-related deaths decreased, violent crime decreased, fatalities due to other kinds of accidents decreased, and infant mortality decreased. So that's the background. We know that this big group during this time, during this five-year demonstration period, reduced all this negativity. The question that uh, I was particularly interested in in this study that I'm now going to present to you is what happened in the following years, in the seven years after, at the end of the experimental period, when we lost the funding to maintain the group, the size of the group decreased. So now we have an experiment where we're looking at what happened when you turn the coherence up to the predicted level during the experimental period, and then what happened during the post-period when you turn the coherence down. It's as if you had a big knob and you could raise and lower the coherence in the United States. So the next slide shows Ukrainian Peace Conference held in 2017 at the Global Union of Scientists for Peace. And uh, this is me. This is where I first presented the research on what happened afterwards. This is me hit, uh, sitting next to Dr. Howard Chandler. And you see at the bottom that's our conference. That's Dr. John Hagelin at the podium, and Dr. Chandler and myself far in the distance there. So the next slide shows the, a, a chart that I showed during that conference. And what you see is is that during the baseline period, looking at murder rates murder rates were increasing slightly during the baseline period. During the experimental period, there was a big decrease, and this was expected because Kavanaugh and Dolbeck had found that before. But then in the post-experimental period, when the size of the group decreased again, murders came back. And so what you see is a reversal of the effect. So this led to the idea of let's look at all of the variables. What happens to all of the variables? Is there a change simultaneously in them or do they change uh, individually? Be- before you go there, David. Yes. Just to summarize a little bit and,
1: and refresh ourselves. So they were these practitioners of advanced techniques of transcendental meditation and these beautiful domes that you showed us. Right, and their number was at a certain amount, around five to six hundred, for right. a certain time. Right. Then there was the idea to increase that number to see what will happen. Right. And actually, the prediction based on previous studies was that it will it will produce a very important effect on society. So there were uh, great benefactors who said yes let's do this and see what happens maybe we can help our society and so there was then the support financial support and the inspiration by Maharishi Mahesh Yogi and all the great scientists and thinkers and those who want to support and particularly wonderful benefactors who gave money to support this large group and so some some more people came And they started to do the same program together. And the numbers went up from 600 that we have uh, here on the slides. For those who are not seeing the slides, it's basically the idea. So what we see is number of years and each year, which, which how many were there. And then suddenly in 2005, they started to increase up to 2007. So in 2007, beginning uh, that time the numbers started to reach a high percentage Uh, it was gradually going up and then those numbers were sustained for several years up to 2011 so basically that's what it is just a group of people they came together they practiced this mental technique advanced techniques of transcendental meditation and they were able to be maintained for uh, five years or so And that's what we are calling the demonstration period or the experimental period. So there is a baseline, which was what was there before. Then there is a period which is with big numbers. And then we couldn't maintain these because finances to support them and like that, they had to go home. So we maintained them for some some like six years or so uh, or five years or so and then they left home and they gradually left so the numbers started to decrease gradually from 1800 gradually some left others left others left until we got to back to about 600 which was the baseline before which we will understand why these numbers are critical uh, also i there is actual correlation in terms of percentage with the population of the united states now this is what happened to People were there, more came for five years, and then they started to leave gradually, gradually. And what the studies have shown by Dr. Cavano, whom we have the pleasure to have with us, and Dr. Dilbeck, who's a great scientist, who's done many other research also before on this 1% effect and the square root of 1% effect, they gathered the data. And so first, David is telling us the crime rate, the murder rate, decreased during that time. During the time when there were large numbers, the murder rate decreased, and they decreased significantly. And then, after it stopped, it started to decrease. And what is interesting is the correlation, which means how the numbers correlate with each other. Like, how much there are people, how much there are reductions in murder rate. And so what David's telling us is that he looked at that went at other variables. What were the other variables?
2: Let's just repeat them other than murder rate. Homicides, motor vehicle fatalities, drug-related deaths, violent crime, fatalities due to other accidents, infant mortality rate. So these are various, varied numbers of things that are normally independent
1: from each other. And there is, we can say that from a scientific sociological perspective, that there is no reason why if one decreases, the other should decrease also in general. That's right. They're usually independent of each other. And they all decreased based on this one, actually, factor. This is what we're saying. And so David has looked at what happened also after
2: these groups were dismantled. And there we go, looking at all the variables in one picture. And when I saw this, it is totally astonishing that what you see is, is that when the, at the onset of the demonstration period, all of the variables simultaneously started decreasing. There's there's this one variable that's kind of different from the other ones, that's drug-related deaths, but it also decreased. It was going up steeply, and then as soon as the size of the group reached the predicted size needed to influence the entire United States, drug-related deaths stopped increasing. And then as soon as the group started disbanding, it started going up again. So this is really striking evidence that consciousness is all that there is, and that when people transcend to that transcendental level of their own consciousness, when enough of them do, that you have an influence on the entire society, a holistic influence on all these different variables. And there's really no explanation, and we looked into many possible explanations of what's known to influence crime and these other variables. There was nothing going on at that time that could explain the change in any of them, much less all of them simultaneously. And then when the size of the group began to decrease during the post period, what you see is that at first, the slope of the decrease of the different, all the different variables begins to slow down. It's it's still decreasing and our numbers are still quite high. They're up to maybe 80% of the requirement for the Calculated requirement for the entire country. But particularly in, in 2013, 2014, when there's a very steep decrease in the size of the group, what you see there is that suddenly all of the negative indicators begin to increase. You know, it was increased murder, increased rape, all those things begin to increase again. And when you look at drug related deaths, it also began to increase steeply. So just this amazing correspondence and, uh, you know, it raises several questions about, well, how long does the effect last after the group begins to decrease? And and, uh, those are things that we're investigating. This is fascinating, of course, and it's important to stop and just really
1: do it again in terms of what happens if, this is what tells us, based on scientific findings, not only this study, we will see more studies, but also previous studies that have happened that we, we might not have time to, to present. But based on all of this, if we create a group now, if we raise the group now, you are telling us, David and Dr. Cavano, that if we create this large group now, uh, we are going to expect that there is reduction in stress, reduction in rape, reduction in assault, reduction in murder, reduction in robbery, in infant mortality even, and drug deaths and vehicle fatalities and children deaths by injuries, which are all these factors that plague society and influence so much the economy, the well-being, the sense of uh, happiness and, and, and all of that. And so creating this group, we should stop and say, well, is it prayer? Is it some kind of any kind of meditation, any kind of maybe yoga exercises and all of that? And it is not. It is not. I mean, it is something very important to consider because people say, well, then let's let's do something. And we did something. And it didn't work. And therefore, the whole reputation, if you like, of the fact that you do something mentally can influence society becomes questionable because it didn't work. And many people try to do these things and it doesn't work. So, what is the key point here? The key point is that consciousness can be on many, many levels. You can have wakeful consciousness in a drowsy state, in an alert state, in a relaxed state. You can have dream consciousness. You can have sleep consciousness. You can say things on the surface level by just repeating something on the surface or thinking about something. And here you are really not acting from the basic value of life. We say the mind is like an ocean. And the surface value of the mind is like waves on the ocean. If you act on the level of waves, this means just thinking or trying to think or manipulate the mind on the surface level will not create the influence. What you need to do is own the entire ocean of consciousness. And that is why this technology is very specific and that. Requires transcending, which means going deep within to the depths of the ocean and from the bottom of the ocean, then you can have this influence. So it's a very specific technique. We call it meditation, but actually it should be called transcending the transcending technique, the technique that takes us beyond the surface so we can act from the depths of the ocean. And then from that depth, we can influence everything. As we discussed, the unified field, which is the source of all other fields, force fields, electromagnetism, weak, strong, gravitational forces, and then their their appearance or their manifestation, if you like, as elementary particles, molecules, and then cells and tissues and whatever the whole universe these are all coming from one field. And this field is a field of consciousness. So what is the secret here? And we know that there have been movies that have been done about the secret, whatever. And if you think something, you can make it happen. You have to think very strongly. In fact, the real secret is you have to think, you have to be on that level, which is the deepest level that controls and influences all the other levels. And that's why so many different factors and distant factors. People are doing something here in that corner of the city or the country in that corner of the town, cat order of that state or the other state. They are independent as if on the surface level. If you want to act on the surface level, you can change things. You can try to prevent one criminal from doing one crime if you are alert enough because you're acting on the surface but if you act from the depths of the ocean which is the basis of all these activities on the surface which is the basis of how you can change the activities on the surface then you have a powerful action and so that is why this technology is very specific In this case, it's not only even transcendental meditation. It's the advanced techniques of transcendental meditation that Maharishi has brought to light, which is called the SIDI program, which allows us to act from this deep level. And what we are hearing here is that once you create the effect, so if today we decide let's let's create the effect and have 2,000 people in the U.S., and there is a reason why why it's 2000. We'll ask Dr. Cavano also to comment on that. And his his this is his study also, and and uh, part of his research. And um, there is a reason for that. But if we do that, what we are hearing is the, the effects will be starting immediately, the decrease in all of these bad factors, which we can call stress factors, or stress index, or whatever. And they will be prolonged for a while, but what Dr. Orn is telling us, after a while the effect will go. And so how long it took for this to to start again after the numbers went down?
2: It depends on how rapidly it went down. And that's something I want I've also looked at is the, the rate of change in a later slide. But when it decreased rapidly, then there was a big turnaround. It was like the, the rapid decrease. 2013 to 2014, like created a big stress in the collective consciousness of the United States, and everything got worse. Murders, rapes, assaults, robberies, infant mortalities, drug deaths, vehicle fatalities, and children deaths by injuries all started increasing again, whereas they had been decreasing. It's a huge responsibility when you know that this technology is having such a powerful effect in our our organization of which Dr. Nader is the head is doing everything possible to try to create these large groups all around the world. It's something to maintain. So for all those who
1: will listen to us and they are well-wishers of society, there is billions of dollars spent on protecting people from all of these things, robbery, assault, rape, infant mortality, accidents, murder, Billions of dollars are spent. So isn't it worth it to spend some money and do the group? And not only do the group, you have to maintain it. It's not like It it just you create the group and you solve the problem and then you go home. And that is the unfortunate thing that we couldn't convince the people to stay because they needed to work. They needed to be supported for different reasons. They had to leave. And they felt, oh, the world is great and everything is good, it's getting better everywhere. And they thought, okay, it's on the path, it's done kind of thing. It's not done. That is what is important to remember. We want to create something that is permanent, that will maintain the effect on a permanent level. And this is what these studies are showing.
3: If I might add just a brief comment, Dr. Nader,
1: Yes, Ken. Thank you. It's your research, after all. And Dr. David has added, of course, something fabulous also at the end. But we want to hear from you, absolutely.
3: Well, just one small comment uh, relating to the the cost effectiveness of this approach. It's, it's dramatically cost effective to permanently endow such a group that would be sufficient to create this effect in perpetuity for the United States. It would require the analysis has shown that it would require less than the cost of one B-2 bomber aircraft that the United States has a fleet of. And uh, this would enable this group to exist in perpetuity, to pay properly the participants in the group so that they can devote themselves to creating this effect for society and not have to worry so much about spending their time earning a living and whatnot through other means. They could supplement that, of course, uh, their participation in the group. But it's a very cost-effective program. And another a point I wanted to make is that the group practice does not involve the people who are in the dome, participants in the TM City program, TM and TM City program, thinking about society, for example, or projecting a desire or uh, some kind of envisioning a better society, a more peaceful, harmonious society and lower crime. They are innocently experiencing within themselves the settling down of their of their conscious mind to transcend that setless value of their own awareness and experience the inner fullness of their own most settled state of awareness, pure consciousness. And Marci um, has explained uh, this phenomenon since 1962 when he first went on record publicly predicting this, that the transcending, the activity of the mind settling down, experiencing that transcendent value, pure consciousness, will enliven that effect throughout the society if we have enough people, a a certain critical percentage, 1% practicing transcendental meditation, or as you mentioned, the square root of 1% practicing the advanced technique of transcendental meditation, the the TM City program. So that same effect is created either way, whichever approach we we take. The more economical one is square root of 1% in a single group. And that is very inexpensive to create as an effect compared to the enormous cost of stress and of crime and disharmony in society that's associated with these indicators not uh, properly (laughs) declining to low levels.
1: This 1% came about originally. Maybe we can just have a little review quickly how it happened and then the square root of 1% and how much will that require for the US and like the whole world or the situation now uh, is requiring, you know, the world attention for what's happening in, in Eastern Europe and Russia and Ukraine and so much sadness there taking place, so much loss. And so people are looking for solutions that would satisfy everyone so that everyone involved can become better and feel better and feel satisfied. So it's a solution that's for the good of everyone. And therefore it would require something for the
2: whole world. So do you have those numbers? Yes, the uh, the world population in uh, 2023 is 9 billion. And the square root of 1% of that is a little over 9,000, 9,200 and something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we we just and that I I you you know better than anyone, Doctor Nader is like the main focus right now that's going on with our international movement of people are trying to create such a group in around the world in in Latin America and in, in Asia on India, and Nepal, various places. So yeah, this is where did the one percent come from? Well. It's actually the idea that if that a few people can influence many through transcending, really comes from the Vedic literature. From Patanjali, Patanjali famously said, "In the vicinity of yoga, hostile tendencies are created." So, if you have people meditating, transcending, I should say that it will create an influence in the people around them. And if you go back even further into the Vedic literature, into Vashishta. There's a story that Vashishta is instructing two of the great kings, when they were still youths, Ram and Lakshman, how to rule society. And and basically, he says, you need to have people basically practicing the advanced techniques of transcendental meditation. But it's really Marishi who just brought all that out, initially without really telling us much about the background, and he's he's on record as early as 1960s or so saying that he said that if if you had 10% of the population meditating that it would reduce the hostility and the hatred in the world it would which would reduce war and that in fact even 1% would do the job and then the scientists started thinking about it and thought that, you know there's many examples in society where a small number of members of population create organization and coherence for the entire system. For example, in the brain, it's just a few cells working in coherence creates the EEG that you measure on the surface or in in developmental biology there's a few cells that are the kind of leaders in the development that are on the on the what the frontier of development that are you know organizing, or in the heart, there's a few pacemaker cells that that uh, that, that have the whole heart working. So it's it's a it's a principle that a few can affect the many throughout society. And then the square root of one percent empirically, what happened was that during a project in 1978, Marshy had sent groups of people to different provinces and states around the world to try to inspire the local government and well-wishers of society to create 1% of the population practicing TM. And so they made lots of presentations. Well, it so happened that during that project, there were many of the TM teachers living together and practicing their advanced techniques together. And what was found was, is that just having groups practicing the TM and TM City program together had a multiplicative effect that people meditating near each other kind of made it easier and for other people to transcend and the analogy was like stimulated emissions in lasers you know you have lasers <laughs> uh, different uh, say ruby atoms will give off they will laser. they will give off a photon a ru- ruby photon when their <laughs> when their uh, electrons drop to a lower orbit but if you have a bunch of them together they stimulate each other to do that. And then you get this powerful effect, this powerful laser effect. And like that, if you have people practicing the advanced TM, TM City program together in a group, then it like multiplies their effect. There's a stimulated emission and it creates this huge uh, burst of coherence in society. So that was sort of the theoretical basis. And, you know, we've written a lot about that and we could have an entire session just sort of talking about. No, the theoretical... About the mechanics
1: and how it is, yes. The mechanics and how it is in nature. So it is not just in human beings as a whole or a group of human beings, but the principle of a few can have an effect on many, can be in laser, uh, can be uh, in, in the alignment of magnetic fields, whatever, the uh, different aspects of, as you say, different organs of the body... And in this case, we can see it also on society. So the whole thing started from ancient knowledge because this ancient knowledge had this principle in it. And then uh, which were the numbers exactly? We didn't know, but suddenly we discovered. So there was like a theory and then observation based on observation finding. And then these findings are documented, repeated. And therefore we come to a certain number that actually is based on experiments not just based on some idea uh, but uh, you know there was an idea 10 percent or one percent so one percent turned out to be sufficient which was great and then these advanced techniques uh, square root of one percent so it's not a lot to do it's not a lot to do as as Dr Kavanaugh was saying Ken was saying even a small expense, can make such a huge difference. And it has been proven over and over again. We're analyzing this particular study now, we'll analyze more because it's recent and it has been published and it's so precisely indicative of the relationship between numbers and effects on so many different levels. It's so beautiful and so profound, really well done. you want to tell us more before we ask uh, Dr. Kavanaugh also to show us some
2: more? Yes, I, I would love to. Well, after we saw that all of the stress indicators were decreasing simultaneously together, we became interested in trying to calculate just how, how much was the reduction. So if we can see not slide number 11, we did these regression analyses, and basically what we're doing is that There's a dark line showing what's happening during the baseline and what's happening during the demonstration period. So in this first slide, it's drug-induced deaths and you see uh, that there's a reduction in drug-induced deaths during the demonstration period. And then afterwards it comes back again. We saw that before. The dotted red line is projecting what would have happened if the baseline conditions had have continued. So here you see that uh, during the baseline period, the red dotted line is completely uh, on top of the actual data. That's because it was fit to that data. Uh, it shows that the regression was, you know, was, was accurately, is an accurate representation of the slope of what was happening. And when you project uh, during the demonstration period in the post period, you see what would have happened, which is the dotted red line for those who can see it. And then the dark line shows the, the reduction of what actually happened compared to what would be projected to happen if there was no change. And uh, so it turns out that there were, in this case, drug-induced deaths. They were, during the demonstration period, they were 33,000 less than you would predict to happen if the baseline had of conditions had of continued. And during the post period, there was another 46,000 fewer. So it was a total of 70, almost 80,000 fewer drug deaths averted or or estimated to be less than would have happened if if you had not had this demonstration. And uh, you see the same picture with different variables. I won't go into all the details, but... Uh, This figure shows assaults were decreased by uh, about nine hundred and forty-nine thousand fewer assaults during the demonstration period. There's and robberies the same thing. In these graphs, uh, where there is no systematic change during the baseline, then the best prediction of what's going to happen in the demonstration and post period is just the average of what was happening before. So some of these, that's what that's what's shown. So the red dotted line shows the average of the baseline. And then uh, during the demonstration and post period, you see the deviation, a great reduction. and And variable after variable, if we just sort of flip through them, you could see that in every case, there was, I should say way fewer, but, you know, really a, a lot of reductions in stress. And and then Dr. Kavanaugh was saying in terms of money and how much these different problems cost, you know, if crime is it's a billion dollar problem in the U.S. alone per year because of a court costs, uh, all, all of the disruption that it produces, what it does to the families and so forth. In this slide, uh, we're, we have inverted the stress index for the entire United States, which is the red line, so that an upward direction is showing decrease in all of these negative variables. So it's decreased crime and decrease at all those. And what we're seeing here is a lead-lag relationship. We see that the blue line, showing the size of the group, increased very rapidly from around 2006 And then it leveled off at our high level, which was the number for the whole U.S. And it began to drop. And what you see see then with the red line, which is a change in the quality of life, uh, that it's increasing about a year or two after the red line is going up. So in a causal relationship, one way to prove causality is that the cause should precede the effect
1: very significant it's wonderful i just want for those who are not seeing the slides if it's they are listening to us uh, the previous few slides that david has shown us show that there is a trend the trend is you follow for so many years something and you see if it's increasing or decreasing or what is happening with it and you see a linear trend for many many years so like they studied from 2000 to 2006, like six, seven years. And during six, seven years, the bad news for these six, seven years is that all these aspects are increasing in society. So unfortunately, it's not only because of increase in population, but of course, there is increase in population and there is also increase and chaos and things aren't working like drugs. More people are using drugs and there is a tendency. So you see what we call this trend line. There is a trend and the trend you can make it and you see you can actually predict with a proper trend. If you've done it for several years, you can predict what will happen in five years, what will happen in 10 years. And like that, the line shows the prediction. and unfortunately, the basic prediction is not very happy at all. It looks like more drugs are being used, even though so much money is being spent and et cetera, etc. Cetera, on this factor and the other factors also drug, homicides, he showed us all of these different different charts. And then comes the the creation of this group. The group reaching a certain critical level. And there you see that the trends are completely changed. So the basic trend, the prediction is the same, of course, but the actuality of what happened when the group was there is amazingly significant and important and i use the term significant because they've studied this scientifically in terms of what is the possibility that this can be due to chance and again if you have an effect produced by a cause if you stop the cause then the effect should go you know if it's cold outside the house and you put on the heater and the house becomes warm, (laughs) you can say obviously it's because of the heater. One more way to describe that and to be sure that it's the heater is you stop the heating. You stop the heater and then the temperature will go slowly back and become as cold as it is outside and then you reach back where you were before. It is the same here. When you have the group, the effect is there. There is less in all of these horrible things, and it improves and improves and improves. Now you stop the program, and you see that it actually goes back. So this is the one thing that stops. And we're going to hear from Dr. Kavanaugh, because I've heard him describe this, that actually more money for example is being spent and dr david can tell us also it's not that suddenly they stopped spending money on the fighting drugs and helping for infant mortality and all of that in terms of other factors that could potentially influence they were actually increased in the sense of trying to do better from the other perspective from thinking, you know, you increase the police, you do this, you put more money on this, you put more money on that, and you think that this is going to create the effect. But this tendency of putting more money increased over time, and yet, when the program stopped, when the numbers of people practicing this technology of consciousness were reduced, and they went down to less and less and less, then the numbers of horrible things that we hear about and that we are hearing about came back. And what Dr. David's showing us is they came back to the trend that was expected before. So they reached back towards at the end of the day at the end of the post-demonstration period, they started going back to where they would have been anyway if we hadn't done this experiment. Now, what's most heartwarming at the same time, really uh, disturbing in a sense, and, and, and one feels so sorry about it, is on the one hand, the good side, how many people lives were saved, how many were protected, how many that would have died did not actually die. And when you calculate what actually happened during this demonstration period versus the trend, you see all these numbers that are huge, that are huge. Lives being saved, people being more safe, less violence in society less damage less accidents less rape less all of these horrible things have been reduced and that is the most important humanitarian aspect now when we say it will save money it will do this it will do that it's just to tell those who are concerned with money that money is on their mind and how much it will cost and how much it will cost Even those who are concerned with just that part, they should know that they will save money. And therefore, not only the most important part is saved, which is the well-being of individuals in society, but also money is saved to create a better society. So that can have a double effect in making life better, in improving the economy, in improving the lives of people, their their purchasing capacity, their housing ability, and all of the other things. So the saving in money is also saving towards making life better for the whole society. Besides, of course, the most primordial value, which is how many human lives are served, how many less suffering there is directly through these indicators. So this is really so profound and so important that everybody who's listening should become a champion, in my opinion, of this and call upon those who can support. Because why it's not happening? Because we are an international organization that has the knowledge but we are not for profit and we need the funds to create this group. We need the people to understand the effect and we need them to practice the technology so that they actually do it. And we need to do them to see that they do it and they, they support it on a permanent basis, on a permanent basis because we've seen and we see again from these studies that once the groups go down, then the thing comes back to it. Why is this important to realize? It is so unfortunate that it happens, but it's important to study it, and it's important to report it, because there is a tendency in people, when things get better, to think it's all done, and then they forget about meditating, they forget about practicing this technique. They feel it's all done. I've done it. I'm all okay. My society is okay. And so now I can go run and enjoy and have fun with other things and forget what is giving them this ability to enjoy (laughs) and this ability to feel better. And what is giving that society and our society the ability to be stable and for us and the next generation and the next generation to actually live a better life. And what is giving this is the light of consciousness, the power of awareness that is within us all, and that together we can support and strengthen and make it powerful, like bringing the light to remove the darkness. You bring the light, you remove the darkness. Now you say, oh, the darkness is gone. I'm feeling great. I see everything clearly. Why spend money on paying for the light? Well, you remove the light, maybe for a while to dim the light, let's say, and as you dim the light, you see less and less and less and less. And when the light goes, you go back to darkness. And so that is really very important from both angles. It's unfortunate that this group stopped. It's important that we have studied what happened when this group stopped. And the next slide that David brought before we go towards the another level of the discussion with, with Dr. Cavano is the effect that has to precede, the, the cause that has to precede the effect. Again, if you have cold in the room and the heat starts coming without you turning the heat on, then you of course say, well, it's not the heater that produced the heat. Of course, this example is very simplistic, but it's very very important to understand how scientists think uh, in terms of analyzing the effects and making sure it is causal, which means what causes what, it's not just happens by chance because of coincidence. And what this does is show us that in this light that we see and for those who are not with us on the video, but are on the audio, what it shows is that the change that has happened has happened after the groups started to increase and in a correlated way the more the group increased then the change happened the more the group increased then the change happened and happened more and it happened more and it keeps happening more as much as the group increases so the cause precedes the effect this is what David is telling us And he has shown this scientifically and and in a very beautiful way in those who are looking at this chart that we have in front of us.
0: Thank you for tuning into Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast. And if you're interested in learning more from Dr. Nader, please follow him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.